0: Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Kaylee, where we talk about the three M's, mental health, mom life, and media news. Our podcast is weekly, but you can follow us daily on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Like and follow if you love us. you're having a good day. It's me and Robin. Um, We have some awesome topics for you today. We have the three M's we're going to talk about. Uh, The first one is mental health. And today is actually, Robin, isn't it mental health awareness day?
1: Mm -hmm. Mental health day.
0: Yeah. World mental health day. So that's super awesome. Oh, sorry. My mic wasn't even close to me.
1: So I think for today, we just should really focus on making our mental health a priority. I know a lot of times um, we all kind of fall into the trap of fearing what people will think or say if you talk about the ways that you suffer with your mental health. And sometimes fear of judgment will keep you from reaching out and getting the help that you need. So today, we really just want to talk to you guys and encourage you all wherever you're at in your mental health journey to reach out and work on getting the help that you need um, wherever it is you might be struggling. You know, Mental health affects, I think, everybody. It affects us all differently and at different points in our lives and we all cope with it differently. Um, but if you are struggling, then I just encourage you to reach out to someone you love or trust or a physician, uh, a therapist and talk with them about the ways you're struggling and see what options might be best for you. You know, I told my 16 year old when she started struggling with mental health, she just wanted to go straight on antidepressants. And, you know, at that point in time, they really talked a lot about how teenagers, sometimes are more susceptible to, you know, have a negative reaction to, um, to antidepressants and different mental health medications. And I didn't want to do anything <clears throat> that could cause her to hurt herself. So I wanted her to look into that for herself. Look up the different types of depression. Find out which one best suits your feelings. Find out which medications best fit that type of depression, Um, find out what other alternatives you can use. Um, I know my husband, before um, a recent incident that he's been in, he loved to go to the gym. That was one of the most positive coping skills he could use to get through some of his mental health struggles as a disabled veteran.
0: It's interesting you say that because my brother-in-law, I was told by my sister that because of the military, um, that there was a lot of anxiety, um, yeah. after that. And so they told him to exercise at the end of the day because that lets out all of the anxiety that built up during the day. And I never thought about that before. So going to the gym, I think is really good for anxiety.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I've definitely seen an impact on him lately since he's not been able to go the way that he used to before the incident and it's sad because his coping skills his, cope, his coping mechanisms have been limited to a point that his struggles have just grown and so that's another thing we wanted to talk with you guys about today different coping skills and making sure you're choosing healthy coping skills if possible and or coping skills that you have some sort of self-control over. Um, not not the coping skills that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I'll just have a glass of wine tonight. And because they lack the control over it, once they start to feel good, the next thing you know, the whole bottle's gone. Over the course of time, that becomes a very unhealthy coping skill. And it gets harder and harder for you to control over the time. Just like
0: marijuana. I mean, people say that you know, it doesn't affect them. It's fine. That's what they use. Um, I've seen so many times you have to be very careful with that because I've seen so many times that people get so strung out because they're constantly high and they like change their personality. So I, I do think that there's a place and a time for, um, medicinal purposes for that, but it's just like anything else. I mean, you can't, overdo it and you can change and it's not healthy to just cope that way.
1: Right. And I will say many years ago, I mean, we're talking probably 10, 10 plus years ago, my husband did try that <clears throat> medicinally for his post-traumatic stress. And it was actually the most significant improvement I'd ever seen in his symptoms. However, it's not conducive whenever you live in a state that it's not legal, you have children and you have a job you need to take your analysis for. So um that doesn't well fit Question:
0: Did he get high or did it just was it like a, a dosage that helped him relieve?
1: I don't that think he was, trauma. I never really, yeah, I don't think he ever I never caught him just like stoned out of his mind where he couldn't right. function. Um it actually just for me just he just had so much more peace. Um and just he was just a lot more easygoing little bit more level, which heading. I think is
0: fine. If you have the dosage that you need, that does not make you out of your mind, but it just makes you like calm and you're still able to function. Um, all of that. I, I mean, that's just like me going and taking, you know, drugs from pharmaceuticals, you know, as long as I'm not ODing on, you know, right. on my medication
1: something taking something that is actually effective for your type of mental health issue that is benefiting you and improving your quality of life and um, that's something that since his accident he's actually started taking antidepressants and I will say I don't I don't think that the impact has been as positive but it has helped him enough that he feels like he can't live without them because of just how desperate he was before he started taking them for now. Like I said, he's, he has such a limited, um, option for coping skills. I've, you know, agreed that anything is better than him being so desperate that he just goes off the deep end and ends his life because veterans have a hard time whenever they struggle. You know, he's already struggling with all of these other mental health things, and then now you impact that with this incident that happened. And I don't know if I'd ever seen him so low in all the 13 years we've been married. So at that point, we were all just kind of desperate to get him help. Um, But I feel like he's done well to kind of advocate for himself, take matters into his own hands to get the help he needs and be consistent, you know, to try to actually get relief. Um, and his psychiatrist always says, it's not going to fix everything, but it'll make it easier to live with for now, for now. Well, I think, here's the thing. I'm going to be vulnerable with everybody.
0: But the first thing I want to say is that mental health, there's still a stigma. And the problem with that is if there's a stigma, nobody wants to get help and everyone suffers in silence. So I'm going to be vulnerable and talk about my mental illness. I have been diagnosed with bipolar two. It's not bipolar one. They're different. That's another conversation. Um, Bipolar one's more extreme. I wanted it to just be anxiety and depression because society accepts that more when you say that and they're like, oh, okay, you know if you say something else like bipolar, it's like, Oh my gosh, you're going to go crazy on me. You can't, you can't function. And you know, that's not true. And mine's more, um, major mood disorder, but it's like leans on depression more than anything else. So, and then I have like, Varying degrees, like I can be, it's rapid cycling, so I can be really happy and like pumped about life, and then I can be like, everything sucks. And it's not like I'll go out and buy a new house or go out and buy a boat, or you know, I mean, I'm impulsive, but what woman doesn't do impulse buying on Amazon, you know what I mean? So, um, I just have to kind of walk myself through that.
1: Your family, right? You're, you're right, you're like, oh, I love that you know, book or, Oh, let me go grab a coffee. It's little things. It's not devastating to your your family and life. And that's so, and my problem
0: is, um, I've had to kind of hide that in the past. And now I want to encourage others to step out because I don't think, I mean, suffering in silence is miserable. Uh, a couple months ago, I thought I could get off my medicine and you know do holistic things because I really like to be holistic if possible. But I went into such a deep, dark place that I just, I wanted to die. And I get where Nick would come from on that because it gets so hopeless. You're like, what matters in this life? I mean, stuff doesn't matter. We're all going to die one day. What is, it? you know what I mean? Like you just go yeah. into this sneaky hate spiral. And so I had to get back on it. It has helped. I've prayed about it. I mean, I had the elders at my church pray over me. I mean, someone told me that I was possessed by demons. That didn't help me. And, you know, I've gone through all the steps for healing and begged for it. But my psychiatrist is a Christian and she helped me and she called me back on a Sunday, did not charge me and called me back within 10 minutes of me leaving her a message. Wow. And I say all that because just because you go to a psychiatrist doesn't mean that you're crazy. It's like going to a specialist for podiatry, for feet. You go to a specialist for mental health. I wouldn't go to just a PCP, I would go to a psychiatrist because they have seen all of it. And don't be afraid of your diagnosis. Don't be afraid that you're going to have something that is, you know, there's a big stigma. Because honestly, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you're taken care of with your family and yourself, and you can live a functional life. I have a friend; she's bipolar, schizophrenic. She has it all together. She has a beautiful home, beautiful kids. She's—I mean, she's just an awesome individual. I love her, and you would never know. You would never know.
1: It's probably because she has the adequate support. And she does to allow her. her.
0: Yeah. We lean on each other because we both understand. And that's why I think what you said about finding someone, we both understand what this feels like. And even though our diagnoses are different, we still understand the depression and the trapped feeling. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to encourage people to not be afraid and like you said, go get help. And if you're feeling like something's off, don't be afraid of what the world will say because they yeah. don't pay your bills and they don't, they don't help you get better.
1: Right. <clears throat> <clears throat> and, and that doesn't mean that you won't run into people on occasion who are going to look at, you know, whatever it is you confide in them and, and, and have judgment or not have understanding and that's why I always say find someone you love and trust and that you know loves you because when you have that support system of people who just genuinely love and care about you and you know I've had to do a lot of growing I have the mentality my grandpa gave that to me and my dad and my brother and now you know it's just I just get up and do it anyway what do you feel like or what do you do when you don't feel like doing it I get up and do it anyway um this incident that we went through at the end of last year has probably been the hardest thing i call it compound trauma because i've been through a lot of trauma in my life um but i feel like how it has compounded to this final incident this is the moment that i just couldn't take it anymore um, there was an incident a few years ago. We'll talk about that eventually, not today. But I immediately had to seek therapy because of how it impacted me. And I knew um, I couldn't even be alone in a room for months. And I said, I was having nightmares every night. And I just said, I need help. I need help. I don't know what I need, but I need help. I've got to stop living like this. And then then fa- fast forward a few years to this other incident. I kind of started working through the other trauma Healing and feeling okay. But then this other trauma happened and I went right back down. And this is probably the lowest I've ever been, honestly. Um, It's been definitely had to get help. I have a trauma therapist, I have a psychiatrist. I meet with my trauma therapist weekly. My psychiatrist is like bi weekly. Definitely trying to get the resources I'm able to have in order to learn to work through the issues that I have. I've always struggled with control. I feel like if I can control it, I can fix it. And having seven kids, is important that you run a tight ship. It's important that you are able to manage your life very well and have a lot of control. You don't always get control having seven kids. And then whenever you have different traumas of life come in, uh, you certainly don't get control over that. But one thing I have, a the reason I have a hard time is because as a child, I didn't have control and you and I talked about this earlier. I dealt with a lot of childhood trauma, domestic violence and other things like that, and I learned to use eating as my coping skill. I gained control over my own self by modifying what I allowed myself to eat or just starving myself or making myself vomit because I gained a sense of control that way. And I was living in an environment where I didn't have any control, but I also didn't have a lot of safety. I was, it was very, um, unsteady for me growing up. And so, uh, that's why mental health is really important to me. Being married to Nick and loving and caring about him, my oldest daughter. Struggles with her mental health and the stigma, like you said, is it's just such a harsh thing. So, even though I've always had this mentality of just get up and do it anyway, I've had to come to learn compassion and understanding and just say, if you love that person, you have to love them where they are. You have to, you might not understand it. I don't understand my 16 year old ever. I never understand her. (laughs) She's a train wreck. But I love her. I genuinely love her. And so you have to learn to have compassion and love people where they are. Even if you don't understand it, you can still show them kindness and compassion because that is going to be the thing they remember when they get through that struggle. Who was there for them? Who showed up? Who showed them kindness and compassion? And then who was there to be negative and and things like that? Um, well, people. I don't know if you've heard this, but people have told me you're so blessed. Why are you
0: sad? There's no reason to be sad. And I'm like, that doesn't help people. That just makes people feel more guilty on top of their depression or anxiety. And that
1: doesn't help anybody. Yeah. I think too, being so close with you has taught me a lot because with my daughter initially, I was unsure if her struggles were because everyone around her right now in her age group is kind of using mental health as a fashion statement. Mm-hmm. And I and I've really talked to her a lot about that because we know several people with severe mental health problems. And I tell her all the time, you know, if this isn't genuine, you're taking away from those who truly struggle and truly need that recognition, that that compassion, that understanding. So you're um playing this game And I feel like a lot of kids do do this for a game, but we also live in a world where depression is running rampant. A lot of people are suffering from depression because we live in a society where we're all so self-absorbed trying to fill this void and it's always empty. We're secluded, but we
0: try to keep together on Facebook and that's not true community.
1: Right. I think just even the way that we're communicating with each other, um, these days just everything through social media less and less human interaction has really contributed to that as well
0: i think our our main encouragement here is that don't be afraid to learn about yourself and if you feel something's wrong you know if you're not ready to take that step to go to the doctor talk to one of your closest friends about it Talk to someone you trust because mental health is just like a physical ailment. If someone says, oh, I have diabetes, people accept that and they move along. Oh, you have to take insulin. Okay. But when you say, oh, I have this mental illness, they're like, oh, oh, it's not the same thing to them. So I think it's very important that people break the stigma. And be able to be themselves. And as long as you're taking care of that and doing what you need to do, um, I think we can all have a healthier society than everyone, you know, being silent. Because sometimes it can take people 15 years to realize something's wrong and go get help. That was a statistic that I found. And that's way too long. So.
1: To conclude this segment, I want to share with you all the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It is 1-800-273-8255. Thank you, Robin. Okay, we're going to start our
0: second segment, and this is on mom life. I'm going to let Robin start off with her new development and her life over there. And she can talk about, I'm sure, what many moms and dads are dealing with at the teenage age. So
1: she can take off there. Lucky for you, Kaylee, you've got a little while longer to go. (laughs) My oldest daughter just got her first serious relationship. And it has just been a big challenge for me. I don't know. It's having five younger daughters it's like i'm so afraid to make the wrong move i'm afraid to do the wrong thing with her and then she's setting an example for them and i don't want to do anything to damage her relationship or her happiness and i really like her boyfriend he is so respectful so kind he's so easygoing with all of the younger kids in our house and i have to say usually when people come over to our house they're they leave overwhelmed um it's a lot and so if you're not used to this environment it can be overwhelming and it takes a special person i feel like to come into our environment and not get overwhelmed by it he i'll see you in a week (laughs) i'm excited i hope that if nothing else whenever you go home you're like peace and quiet thank you jesus um So he's come in. I do feel like there's a part of him that's overwhelmed because he's a young boy. Boys don't care about kids and stuff like that, but he's just been exceptional. He's come in. He has been so kind to the little ones. Our son loves having another boy around. He's always wanting to play in roughhouse with him, but they're always having fun. And he really likes all of my little, little ones individually too, so, uh, but there are challenges. She's 16. She's wanting to start going on dates and holding hands and kissing. And I'm terrified. they are I feel like they're moving a little fast, but they're always supervised at this point. So I feel like they're saying, I love you fast, which I'm like, I probably did that too. You know, <laughs> honest, I probably did that too. So I'm trying not to be too hard or pushy. Um... But also, What are you concerned about? Like, what worries you? Well, just knowing, you know, again, I grew up in a much different environment than what I've raised her in. And I know where I was at at 16. I was like in a committed relationship with an engagement ring on my finger at 16. Crazy. Looking back, I also was a very mature 16. I was not at all where my daughter is maturity-wise. At 16, I was... The caretaker of my of my house you know took, I took mean my parents took care of the finances and everything but I was independent and I was even the caretaker of my boyfriend. so I just feel like my life just looked so much different than hers at 16 and I've just tried to give her her youth as much as I could. She's trying to grow up way too fast and that worries me. And then too just knowing that at the end of the day, There's not a lot of control. I don't really get to control what she does outside of my presence. I mean, so it's a little stressful because I don't feel like she has the same values or maturity level that I did. So I'm having a hard time coming to grips with it. I'm working on it. I'm trying to figure out what my boundaries are for this relationship, something that I can be confident in. Cause like today I might be like, Oh, this doesn't seem like such a big deal. But in four years, when my 12 year old is trying to do this, how am I going to feel then? You know, cause this is setting the tone for what all of my daughters are going to expect. So this is tough. Well, there's lots of moms out there that are
0: probably dealing with the same thing. Um, so how would you talk to moms and encourage them when they're having to make a decision about I mean, not that they're encouraging it, but having to make a decision about, you know, putting them on birth control, even though it's not something you condone. Um, right. how, do, how, is that, how does that make you feel? And, and how
1: would you encourage other moms when making that decision? That's part of my biggest conflict, because I feel like as a Christian woman, as a Christian mom, you want to instill the values in your child to, you know, be abstinent, wait until they're married. You don't condone them having premarital sex or sex at this age. But I'm also not trying to be naive. Um, I'm also trying to remember where I was at that age and understand that she's going to make her own choices. You can give her all of the information and you have to understand she's going to make her own choices. If she has the opportunity, whatever it is she decides to do, that's what she's going to do. I can only hope that what I've taught her will guide her in that decision in that moment, but I'm still going to take her and get her birth control because I feel like not giving her the opportunity to protect herself against teen pregnancy or an unwanted pregnancy is, is irresponsible of me. Um, right now, they're not allowed to be around each other outside of my presence. They do go to school together. So there are times that they will be outside of my presence, but whenever I go pick him up, and I drop him off, they're in my home, they're not outside of my presence, so I know they're not doing anything that could lead to pregnancy. That doesn't mean that 16 and 17 year old kids won't find a way if they want to find a way. And I'm not gonna be naive to that. So I did tell her, I said, listen, I do not condone you having a sexual relationship with your boyfriend. I certainly don't condone that happening in my home. That's not going to happen. I also know I can't control your choices. And as your mother, it's my job to give you the tools and resources you need to protect yourself. If that's talking with you about making wise choices, why it's important to make those choices, um, the different consequences of making bad choices, but also to make sure that my daughter who is not prepared at all to be a mother does not find herself in a position that she either has to be forced to become a mother or go against everything that we've ever taught her to escape that responsibility. And I would not support that, but again, that's not my decision. That's her choice. So as a mom, you give them all the tools and resources that you possibly can, and you just pray that they make wise choices. It's definitely probably one of the most challenging parts of motherhood I've ever faced because it is very complicated. It's hard. I feel like I'm sending her the message that she's going to do it anyway. And I, even just the way that you approach that can be very tricky. You know, I, I want her to know how I truly feel about it, but I also don't want to leave my child helpless because that would be the worst thing I could do for her as her mom, I'm, I'm supposed to protect her. And if she's going to do something wrong, I wouldn't want anything to come of that that would put her in any other compromising position. You know, it's like, like for instance, if she ever went out to a party and her friends were drinking, I would always want her to know she could call me, that I would come pick her up before she would ever be fearful of my reaction so much that she would get in the car with a drunk driver. So these are definitely tough decisions. And I feel like too, sometimes I've met, you know, non-Christian parents and their children are just exceptionally well-behaved and they just make all these great choices. And then I've met Christian parents and their kids are hot messes, you know, and not for, at the end of the day, it's the kid's decision to make this choice for their life. You can only hope that you give them the knowledge and the tools to make the best decision possible. But the most important thing I feel like is making sure they know that they can come to you, no matter if you're going to be hurt or upset. They always need to feel safe to come to you and communicate whatever they're going through, because that is what leads kids to very, very dangerous places. It's like, it's like God, right? So he's our
0: father. We mess up. It doesn't make him happy, but it doesn't change his love for us. And we're supposed to run to him with our issues and we're supposed to be able to be open with him. So I believe in the flesh as parents, we should reflect what Jesus would do and say, I don't condone this. It is sinful, but I still love you. And I want you to be able to run to me.
1: Mm -hmm. And I want to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, if you're going to make a choice, that is reckless. Please be safe. Like, let me make sure that you are safe at the end of this. So yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely really a very tricky thing being the parent of a teenager. So and if, your moms are not alone. Do what?
0: The moms are not alone in this. There's a lot of moms going through this. So. Thank you for, for sharing that, Robin. That was, I know that's not easy and um, there's going to be a lot of probably people that don't agree, but then a lot that that's going to find helpful and give them some peace. So thank you for sharing that.
1: I still plan to keep right now. I'm just kind of standing very still. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I really have to come to grips with my feelings on this. It can't be how I feel today cannot be my temporary feelings. My temporary feelings, I'm completely mortified, and I want to make that little boy go home and never come back to my house again. But that's not realistic. That's not how you build healthy relationships. It's not how you teach your child to build a healthy relationship. And, I mean, so, yeah, I'm not acting on impulse at all. I definitely cannot afford to be impulsive with this. My children and their future, and even this young boy. I mean, what kind of person would I be? Well, at least his parents can trust you when he comes over right actually you know what's crazy his dad and i had a long conversation yesterday and today and really have a lot of respect for him he's raised a very incredible son i think that if he told his son don't do this his son's not going to do that period point blank doesn't it doesn't matter i'm dealing with a child who does struggle with defiance mental health disobedience being rebellious and so i think if i told her hey don't do this she would literally go do it because i told her not do it whereas this boy i'm like thank god this is this is like her first real boyfriend because i think if his dad said don't you dare do this he would be like i'm sorry my dad said no that's a no for me now don't again without being naive he's still a 17 year old boy but i do have a lot of respect for him and he told me that he would talk with his son he was understanding of my position you know, um, young teen relationships, especially whenever they're complicated with a child, um, don't usually end well. And usually, the mom is the one who takes on the brunt of the child caring and caregiving. And I just, yeah. So I'm making that decision. It's not an easy choice to make, but I am kind of trying to stay still and wait for God to instruct me if. God doesn't agree with the road I'm on. He will always tell me. Or he'll give you a conviction. Yes. And so that's kind of why I'm like, this is where I'm at. And I'm just going to kind of, I've got a little time before that appointment. So I'll wait and just see if God is in agreement with me on this. And if he doesn't convict me to change my path, then this is the direction we'll go. And just pray that she does make good choices for herself
0: in the long run. So... Well, thank you. I know there's going to be a lot of moms that benefit from that segment. And so
1: before we go, if anyone does have any suggestions with how they've gone through this, I'm open ears. I us the
0: message. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I'm all about looking at every possible outcome. Um, but this is my first rodeo. So, I definitely am open ears if you have any suggestions or advice. Give us a message on our on our site. So,
0: okay. For our third and final segment, we're going to talk about something that we found that's interesting. This is media news. I'm going to tell you what I found, Robin. Oh, okay. So there is a New Jersey teacher interviews fourth graders on they them pronouns on TikTok. Indoctrinating my students. Is so she, is? so she has this TikTok page, and she's filming the kids, and she's like, "What do you do if someone disrespects your pronouns?" And they're like, "You demand respect." And she's like, "Do you feel safe with me?" And they're like, "Yes." And then she was asking them like, "What they should do with their pronouns?" And I'm just like, "What the crap?" Like, how is this even okay? Like, how, first of all, are parents okay with their kids being on TikTok with this teacher? Like, do you have permission to do that? Is that not legal? That could be putting the kids in danger. Second of all, your beliefs should not translate to the classroom. Like, you teach math, you teach math. You teach English, you teach English. Like, you teach social studies, you teach... You basically see teach social studies, economics, all those things. If you, if
1: you teach biology, you can't change biology to fit your narrative for what yeah, you, you say, say follow the
0: science. you want to follow the science, then science says there's male and female. and then here's the argument. So I've heard this argument your your biological sex is your sex, okay, male or female, but your gender, is whatever you want it to be. I'm like, "Okay, you want to call me mentally ill? Like what what the crap? Like I can see mental illness. I can, you know,
1: see it in somebody. These actually, people transgender is considered a mental illness. And there's actually medical codes for that. And it's not This is a medical coder, y'all. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah, it's not can it's not you, you don't get to modify that actually. If I'm coding a ch- charge with somebody who is transgender, there are codes. Well, the other thing too is, is how it's documented. If I have a female patient and there are male codes talking about their male parts or anything that is just a male exclusive diagnosis, it won't even let me move the charge because it's conflicting information. So you have to actually go in and modify these things in order for the charge to even be acceptable and there are like i said diagnosis codes for people who have transgender it's considered a disorder what if you have what if you have a
0: prostate cancer and you think you're a woman and like you won't accept it you need to be treated as a man like what is like i just teachers should not have this role in the kids lives this is not their job there shouldn't be a gender identity class there shouldn't be anything like that because it's
1: not scientific you know what i saw too i saw a picture of shiloh jolie pitt and you know when she was younger she would dress in like boy stuff i think she had like shorter hair i don't even say boy stuff girls can wear whatever they want but more of like a masculine Yeah, more like a tomboy, like a baggier fit, that type of thing. Um, And so seeing her grow up wearing these clothes, you know, naturally one would assume that she would probably grow up to identify as a male. And then as she got older and hit puberty, she became more feminine and started to really embrace her feminine qualities. So I just wonder, you know, if her parents had went through with any type of gender reassignment surgery, how that would have traumatized her. And I've heard of a lot of other children who did go through with that surgery and now are finding themselves feeling more like the gender that they were born, but they've already had all of these life-altering procedures that they can't reverse. They, They don't get to take it back. So I definitely agree with you, Haley. I feel like teachers really need to have more boundaries and more structure when it comes to when it comes to what they're teaching their students I think that there needs to be some boundaries and guidelines and I hope the listeners will let us know how they feel about this and you know what do you think do you think that this is inappropriate for teachers to instill these types of values into our young children you know teachers are naturally you know they're adults that your children learn and grow to trust and so if they're getting these messages from their their teachers who they have grown to trust it's probably changing the way that they view the world around them it's impacting them and you know i would hate to think our kids are being manipulated into living or believing a certain way that is really inappropriate. I feel like too, if we'll just leave our kids alone, kids are pretty smart. They're pretty resilient. We shouldn't be talking sexuality and what gender you feel like today. Fourth grade? Yeah, right. I mean, I pretend like I was a horse in the third grade. (laughs) My daughter thinks she's a dinosaur. (laughs) Right. And so if you'll leave us alone and let us just get through all of the play, like as we get older, we find who we are. And that's something I feel very strongly about. Even with with my kids, you are free to do whatever you see fit as an adult. Not on my dime, not on my insurance, not on me being your legal guardian and caregiver and that doesn't mean you have to accept it even if they want to do it right i am that's another challenging parenting thing you know i feel like i don't know what the future holds for my daughters or my son i hope that i raise them in an environment that they can just understand god's love for them because i feel like Ooh, these hormones. (laughs) Um, In my life, I've experienced a lot of trials. And if I hadn't learned God's love at such a young age, I really don't know where I would be today. And so it's really important that children have that, that they understand his love for them when they make a mistake or when they fall down. You're not gonna be perfect, but he loves you anyway. And if you have a heart, this is one thing I noticed last week with all the controversy of Hocus Pocus is people are just so negative. And even Christians who love God don't care to please him. They don't have a heart to please him. They don't have the desire to grow. As Christians, they resent conviction. They get angry. They get bitter. They want to attack people. Because God is calling them out and saying, Hey, you're living in sin. I reposted a thing the other day that said, You know, God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for the things we're teaching our children in school today. This is real. And I think every time we always, our conclusion is always, our life has purpose and meaning. It is not how many vacations you take in your lifetime, how nice of a car you drive. It is so important that we are living our time on this earth with the purpose we were born with and that we are taking it seriously and we're instilling that purpose in our children so that they understand how important it is.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I, you know, it's, it's the parent's job to instill those values and it's not the school's job to take those values and try to flip them around and tried to manipulate the kids into um, going against their parents' teachings or wishes. And here's the thing. If you're Muslim, people accept that and they move on. Mm -hmm. If you're Christian, they want to persecute you. Listen to this. If you are gay overseas and you're in the Muslim community, you will get stoned. (laughs) They will kill you like how is that culture
1: I mean your Christian you're... says that lifestyle goes against God's word and God's instruction and that Christians who are bible believing god fearing Christians should not you're not killing that anyone style we are judgmental and we're hypocrites and we don't know what we're talking about and we're all this and actually I just that's so funny you say that there was a video I watched yesterday and he was a muslim and he said i grew up in another country i am muslim he said in america the hypocrisy the double standard has to stop i because he said he said oh it was a video of a bunch of people kicking a bible around and he got on there and he said do you know what would happen in america if they did that video using the quran he said they would be cancelled so fast their careers would be destroyed they would be blasted it would be the end for them the end but they get on here and they do this to the bible against christians and the christian religion and it's celebrated it's praised he said it's so disgusting to see the way that there is such a such a massive double standard in the way that our religions and the people in our religions are treated and he said like Jewish people, whenever you ask them say anything about their religion, they're like, "We're a people. We are a people." The same thing with Muslims. Christians should also have that same respect, Um, and we should be allowed to practice our convictions and what the Bible teaches us without fear of repercussion. I lost. We're not going out
0: and killing people, and the people that do are Mm
1: -hmm. extreme cases and but here's the thing every religion there are extremists yeah, I know. In every religion to include those who worship Satan mm-hmm. atheist, all of them there are extremists in every religion mm-hmm. but the frustrating thing is is if I go on my personal Facebook and post my personal opinion based on my own personal convictions with my own personal relationship with people God people attack you people will come and attack me, come Even to Christians. me. I, lost, I lost friends last week they came to attack me Over my own personal convictions, what I believe, what I saw, what I heard, what I took in and realized was against God. But they're saying, I'm a Christian. You're judging me. You're judging all Christians. It wasn't your post though. Your Bible and you were not following God's instruction that he gives you in that Bible. That is between you and God. Your anger is not for me. Your anger is for him. Because you want to be a defiant, rebellious brat. That's what that is. So I'm like. supposed oh. to call each other out. We're supposed to call it, as
0: Christians, we're supposed to call each other out. Not in a hateful way, but we're supposed to say, Hey, I see this sin in your life. And and they're supposed to do it back to you. And it says in the Bible, it says, confess your Sins to one another so that you can pray for each other. It doesn't say so you can condemn each other. It says you need to pray for each other. If we can't talk about our sins and we can't converse about it, how are we going to pray? We're talking about,
1: you know, watching consuming what we're consuming, consuming movies, allowing our children to consume movies where they're talking about worshiping Satan, where they're talking about books being bound out of human flesh this is devilish. This is demonic. How far do you have to be from Christ as a Christian to have that echo in your spirit? I heard it in the background in my home and was sickened. Didn't even have to have my eyes on it. Just hearing it alone was enough to make my stomach turn and say, oh my God, my kids should not consume this.
0: Yeah, but-, but they're doing that at school too, and in- including this, this teacher, you know, they're giving them information that is way against God. And they're like, I mean, who knows what else they're teaching them? Who knows what else they're saying is okay, you know, like against what you believe they're like, oh, well, this is just, this is permissible,
1: you A know? And it's told me that right before the premiere of the new movie came out that the last school day they actually aired the initial, the original movie for the students. And she's like, she personally was like, we've seen it. So it's not like that. But she's like, can you imagine if it was a parent who, like there was not even a note sent home, not even a permission slip. Can we show this to our kids? Yeah. So she was like kind of blown away that they would do that. I was like, oh my gosh. But again, though, the thing is, and what you'll find between somebody who's radical and somebody who's just a convicted Christian who's moving on the convictions God gives them is, and this is what I said to all of the people that were all over my thread. I did not come to your inbox. I did not come to your Facebook check-in on your Hocus Pocus movie night. I saw you. I moved on. If anything, my heart went out to you and your kids for being naive. And I prayed for you because you're exposing your children to that naivety. It's not okay. But it's still not my place to come to you like that private message you're going to hell i would never say that i would never judge that way my, the reason i repost what i do whenever it sparks like an interest in my own brain and like my own independent thought i share it with others to provoke independent thought that's all i do it's never meant in any or judgmental way but whenever it provokes my own independent thought i'm hopeful I'm hopeful that if I share it, someone else will see it and think clearly for themselves. What are they actually partaking in? Not everybody does. It's not always received well. Sometimes it's received as judgmental Christian stuff, but for the most part, if I were being a judgmental Christian, I would have gone on to their posts, blasting them for their beliefs, opinions, and convictions, blasting them for their choices in parenting and raising their children or their movie choices or their lifestyle choices. I I don't do that yet. I was being accused of it while they were literally doing that to me. So again, and then too, you have the problem of it going on behind our backs, you know, which I know I'm sure a lot of people who have co-parenting lives, you and I don't have that, but where, you know, the kid goes to the dad's house or the kid goes to the mom's house or whatever. And they have the different grandparents things. house. <laughs> well, Grandpa. We did talk about that, didn't we? Yeah, so even sometimes grandparents have different ideas and and lifestyles. I know it's so funny, my mom actually, something I will share with you. The other day she um who was it? She had some one of my kids. And oh no, it was it was my younger two. And so she says, Well, I'm just gonna stop and get the McDonald's for lunch. And I was like, I will pay you. Please don't go to McDonald's. She's like, What's the matter? Just get them a happy mom. I'm like, don't feed my kids McDonald's. She probably still went to McDonald's and fed them a cheeseburger, I'm not going to lie. But I was like, but it is few and far in between, so it's not like, you know, relation worth worthy of ending our relationship. But I always try to encourage her. I'm like, look, I'll pay like take them to Chick-fil-A. That's funny. You say that because my
0: mom took my daughter to McDonald's today and I'm like, but I think the only reason my daughter wants to go is because where my mom is, there's like this giant play indoor play area. So she doesn't really care about the food. She just wants the play area. And I'm like, can we just play there and leave? like?
1: (laughs) Cream, if their machines aren't broken, <laughs> 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 try to get her like a McFlurry or something. I don't know. But maybe or, you know, they do have like chocolate chip cookies. So take her for like a nice, healthy lunch, well rounded meal, well balanced meal. And then, and then go play for a little while and just get that's like a good little, idea. Yeah.
0: Well, I know we got way off track because that's what we I mean, do. Everywhere. But. <laughs> <laughs> But we're glad that y'all tuned in with us today. Um, We really appreciate our listeners. We hope you have a wonderful week. Um, Again, we forgot to pray in. We did forget
1: to pray in. But exciting announcement. I think next week, will we be recording this together at my house? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, exciting announcement. We finally get to meet in person. She's going to come hang out for a week. I'm so excited.
0: How long has it been since we've Uh, known each other? We haven't met
1: in person. 2019. or 2018. Had j- had the youngest baby already been born?
0: I think it was 2018 because Pearl was really young still. Mm-hmm. I don't remember and... if my
1: youngest baby was born, but it was 2018 or 2019 because I do remember. No, I I no, it was yeah, it was my youngest daughter's first birthday around that same time as the crazy drama that happened. We'll talk about that one day. Um, it was 2018. So, but we are kind of far apart. Like if we were closer, we would have probably. Four four years. Started homesteading together or something. (laughs) 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 we working on it, okay? We've just got to cut down on the mileage.
0: I know. So far away. It's going to take me uh, like eight hours to get there.
1: Oh my gosh. So, um, your hubby's going to keep Pearl for the week. Wow. I don't know if my husband's that brave. But we've got seven. He does pretty he does pretty okay to help with like getting them ready and stuff. Well, now he can't because but you know I'm gonna have
0: to lay out everything. Like she has these days at school where she has to bring a dollar so she can do pajama day. I'm gonna have to put it all in one spot. Like we have this tier in her closet that has drawers. I'm gonna do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and like put little notes to remind him what he's supposed to do. (laughs) So yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to be with Robin and we'll be in the same place and
1: yeah. So let's pray like, out topics for next week. So we're going to yeah. have awesome topics. It will be. Okay. Dear Lord,
0: thank you for the stay. Thank you for our listeners. Thank you for our friendship. Um, thank you for the rain that's here in, uh, Lubbock and I'm loving it. Um, thank you for everything you provide for us and for the opportunity to do this together we ask that you look over our listeners and our country and the current state of affairs Um, we ask that you just put a blanket of protection over our children while they're in school and that you're constantly with them and in their ear lord um, thank you again for everything you've given us. We love you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. All, All right.
0: right. Safe travels. for Yes. Yeah, safe travels. That's right. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, y'all have a good week and, uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.